Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. Amen. As you grab your seats, my name's Brad. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's great to be with you this morning on our Celebration Sunday. Thank you. We'll get a water too. Thank you. Our Faith Promise Celebration Sunday. And uh, before I get into that, uh, we're going to do a couple of other things first that I'm really excited about. And we're going to welcome some new families to membership this morning at Kalamunda in just a moment. And I'm going to ask the elders in a moment to come and pray over some new families. But before I do, um, over the, the last sort of 18 months or so, we've been developing what membership looks like here at Kalamunda. And it's something... Um, that the elders before I got here, which I really love, really take very seriously and really developing the heart behind it. It's not just about signing people up so you get a voting right and can vote on something at the AGM. It's really the heart of being feeling a call to be invested here at Kalamunda spiritually that you put your roots down here and it will be the place where you grow and flourish in the house of the Lord. And that's really the heart behind it and developing what that looks like and uh, has been a really good journey. So we've developed a booklet, if anyone is interested, as we've said before, of going on that journey of how it happens. And it generally starts by coming along to a welcome brunch, which we're having on the 17th of September after the kids' takeover service. We're having a welcome brunch for people who are relatively new to the church or want to hear more about the life of the church. And from there, it progresses to meeting... uh, Sorry, it progresses to you... uh, giving formal interest in becoming a member and then having a conversation with the elders and going from prayer to there to um, talking it out. So there's a bit of a process which is outlined in this book, which is really helpful. But um, I'm really excited about what God is doing in that space. I just want to say, though, at Kalamunda, becoming a member uh, doesn't mean now you're part of the family. Whoever comes to Kalamunda is part of our family, member or not. Amen? And the members all would agree on that, that it's not, it's not, it's not you're any more important or anything like that. But it's simply before you and God and as a church and as a family that you feel to make that decision. But anyone who comes still gets treated the same. We still love you the same. Um, but you can't vote at the AGM, I suppose, and a couple of other things like that, uh, according to our constitution and being... Uh, legally incorporated and all that sort of thing. Anyway, without anything further to say, I'm going to invite some new families that have gone down a little journey and are becoming members today. We have Rod and Gigi Tilly. If you'd love to come up, and then the elders going to follow them. So Rod and Gigi, come yeah, come right to the right. Well, wherever you yeah, come, we'll get you up on the stage. Yeah, we've also got um, Ben and Mal Howe at the back, and you can bring the family if they've got the family. Ben and Mal. We've got Caden Innes. Caden, one of our youth interns, taking the step. And today I've also got Graham Foster and Graham coming forward to, for membership. And there are other, other people that we're still uh, in a process with and talking with and going through a, a, a process on that who, who are on that journey. But these guys are ready today. So yeah, if you're an elder here, I think we're missing Dave. He's at the men's camp today and Brian. But we've got... Hey, welcome back, Tim! <laughs> and Anita! I didn't... So thanks. It's great to have Tim and Anita back home. It's, we have missed you guys. Side note, we have really missed you guys. So it's great to have you back. And so, and we've got Claire. So we, I just want to speak to you and say uh, thank you for going on a journey with us and sort of being a second lot of guinea pigs, I suppose, that we've been developing this process. Um, and it's been really great to get to know each of you and to hear your hearts. And I just love how 
uh, what God's going to do in and through the future of being invested here spiritually. So thank you and we love you and uh, we're just going to pray a blessing over you. I'm going to ask Tim if you want to pray because I think you've been away for a while. Let's get him straight back into it. Would you just bless these guys? They come part of the crew. Yeah, yeah let's uh, close our eyes. Lord God, we just uh, thank you for this day and it's the day that you have made and and Lord, we just thank you for the commitment uh, shown this morning and uh, for these folk and, and uh, their sense, their hearts, that uh, they're calling, that uh, they sense that you're calling them to make this home and to make this real and to really dig deep and to be part of uh, this place. So Lord God, we just thank you for the mission that you've laid out ahead uh, in this place, this place we call Kalamunda and uh, your church here, Lord God, and we just pray you just anoint your um, people this morning, Give, just fill them again, I pray, and uh, for our new members here, Lord God, we just thank them uh, for making that commitment and uh, wanting to just uh, be totally involved and committed to you in this place, Lord God. So, yeah, Lord, we just thank you, ask for your hand over this morning, Lord God, and uh, maybe just uh, feel just so in touch with you, Lord God. We just can see your hand reaching out, Lord God, this morning, this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. Did you want to speak anything? Are you happy just to pray? I'll always say something. I'm just really thrilled. Look, the generations, hey, from um, everyone wanting to, to become and be part of the the family here, it's just beautiful to see the generations in the hearts. So, and I'm just excited to see what's going to flourish through everybody here. Amen. All righty. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God's doing wonderful things. And if you were here last week, um, we did our faith promise uh, physical, you could, I suppose, collection of our faith promise, um, and you've all, that's all you've probably heard about over the last month, and I felt exhausted at the end of last week, I just feel like it's just been so much, there's been so much wonderful ministry into the life of our church, and, and I just hope you know that that's how much we love you, like I think that night with Gary, the, the prophetic night was just so, so powerful, um, and I'm really pleased with how that was a prophetic ministry operating in a safe and measured space where we could receive from that, and uh, there's still stuff in that I believe that God is working through, I know in my life, in the leadership here, um, but hopefully in yours too, and having uh, Steve McCready and Josh Edwards at the start of the, the series, I just feel like there's just been seeds sown, um, and, and then last week we took up the um, Faith Promise Commitment, the pledge cards, and there's still time to do that, some people have said, hey, I haven't done mine yet, so there is still time to do it, there is the Faith Promise box at the back, these are the little cards, um, please don't put both of them in, it can get confusing, we had to really make sure that we didn't double up with figures and things like that, um, but you tear one off, and you keep one for you, and you put the other one in there with the figure that you believe God's going to provide through you this... Um, yeah, sorry, I just remembered something. Uh, through Over the next course of this year till the end of the financial year. And so, and now, no further, the, the figure actually was that we received $150,000. 165. 
so far. So, so far. That's, that's there so far. And that, how exciting is that? I don't know about you, but I think that is amazing. The scripture comes to mind where God says he will do immeasurably more than we could even ask, think or imagine. So I wasn't asking, thinking or imagining that figure. I don't know about you. I had a certain thing on my heart, but God just blows you out of the water. And it shows not so much money. It shows faith. Yeah. It shows that there is faith in this room for people to trust God. Number one, hear from God, trust God and believe God for how he's going to provide. And Graham, sorry, can I get you to come back, Graham? Um, um, that's what I forgot what I was doing. And I just want to share a quick, just a couple of minutes with Graham, because if you were here a few weeks ago, Graham actually, uh, he was courageous enough to go on our video to talk about faith, promise, giving and what it means to Graham. And it's, a, it's something that means a lot in Graham's life. But uh, you shared with us on that video how having a pension and having a set figure, you, God gave you a figure and was trust, you're trusting him and already stuff's happened. I thought um, without all the specifics, but you could share to encourage us how God is already showing up in your faith promise. Yeah, thanks Brad. <coughs> uh, last Sunday I put my uh, card in uh, in the uh, receptacle and uh, two days later um, I was uh, just sort of going about my normal day, uh, which is a lot of nothing. <laughs> then uh, I got a phone call from my uh, nephew who said to me, will you come and do some work for me? Now, I was expecting something to happen as far as uh, an extra bit of income uh, was concerned. But uh, Santino decided that he wanted me to do something s uh, specific for him. And so there you go, I, I'll get paid something, I, I don't really know what, but all of that money that, I, that I've uh, committed uh, in that card that I put in last week uh, is going to come from the work that, he, that uh, Santino wants me to do. So I'm surprised. At what, at what is happening. So there you go. That's, that's something. Thank you, Graham. <laughs> Praise God. So wonderful. And so we want to keep hearing stories like that and stories of faith to build faith because, you know, that's what it really is all about. And, and in terms of the actual figure, that, that is an amazing figure and um, amazing, as I said last week, seed foundation for the mission life of our church. And what it really speaks to my heart, and I hope it speaks to yours, is that we're serious here about the gospel that we're serious about keeping the main thing the main thing and we want to be on mission with that. That, that really is what it speaks to me, that, 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 that our faith is not around all these other things, but we really want to be on mission. So I'm going to read a scripture and share a few thoughts. and It's not going to be long because we'll, I'm looking forward for us to, if you're coming down to Sturt Park, that will be wonderful to have a picnic and celebrate together. If you've got a footy, bring one because I'll probably forget and we'll kick the footy around. It'll be great. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 19 and we're going to look at this story that is a dangerous story. And the reason it's a dangerous story is it's so familiar. It's the story of Zacchaeus or Zacchaeus. However you say it, I've heard it said so many different ways. I say Zacchaeus because that's how I grew up. But it's so dangerous. It's a bit like Psalm 23. It's a dangerous chapter. It's a bit like John 3.16. It's a dangerous verse. Why? Because we get so familiar with it. We may have heard it growing up if you grew up in church that you miss so much out of it. And I love going back over some of the, old, the familiar stories. Who sung about Zacchaeus at Sunday school? The wee wee man and the tree tree. Yeah. And so anyway... 
So chapter 19, verse 1 to 10, and Luke is the writer of this gospel. Luke is a, uh, also wrote the book of Acts, and Luke is quite detailed, Dr. Luke, and he, he, he writes very specifically and intentionally, I believe, and I believe it's interesting that in these 10 verses we're going to read... Um, there are three characters. There's the character of Jesus, of course. Then there's the character of Zacchaeus, who we know is a tree climber. And then there's the character of um, the crowd around him and the religious people that are following him. This is a time when Jesus is really popular. And so everywhere he goes, lots of other people go, like lots of other people. You cannot get close to him. And it says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was filthy rich, wealthy. He really was. He wasn't just a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. What that means, means is he oversaw other tax collectors. And what it also means is he was a Jew who worked for the Romans who would give them, uh, go and take money off his own people and make a commission out of it and a large commission being a chief tax collector. So he was like a traitor to the Jewish people. He wasn't just any traitor. He would be the most hated traitor. So for him just to go out in public when there's a crowd around who know who he is is kind of a crazy move just to start with. With, I think this guy was like really not liked for what how he treated the Jews he wanted to see who Jesus was though it's interesting he was a bit of a seeker but Jesus but because he was short he could not see over the crowd so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way when Jesus reached the spot catch this he looked up and said to him Zacchaeus Come down immediately. I must stay at your house. I must stay at your house. This is almost like a divine moment, not where a tax collector found Jesus, but where Jesus found a tax collector. And he says to him, Zacchaeus, and the name Zacchaeus means innocent one, pure. That's what it actually means. And Jesus doesn't just do, do this. Luke didn't record this just by accident. He says, I want you to know, Jesus called this guy by name. He reminded him of how he sees him, innocent. He do, certainly wasn't in the natural. And he calls him by name and he says, I've got to come to your house today. So he came down at once, Zacchaeus, and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. Don't you love that word, mutter? Have you ever heard people mutter? Oh, they're just muttering. And this is what they were muttering. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay them back four times the amount, which is way over what the law would have required for somebody to pay back uh, way more. Jesus said to him, Today, I love this, Today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is the son of Abraham, is a son of Abraham. And here's our key verse about mission. For the son of man, that's what Jesus referred to himself as. Aren't you so glad that he become the son of man so we could become the sons of God? He says, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. That's the mission. Jesus said, out of the context of what you've just seen with this rich tax collector who nobody likes, out of that context, I just want to give you the mission statement for the church. And it is to seek and to save the lost. Look to the screen. I've got a three-minute clip about mission. Once, 
There was a crude little life-saving station on a dangerous seacoast where shipwrecks often occur. The building was just a hut, and there was only one boat. Still, the few devoted members kept a constant watch over the sea and, with no thought for themselves, went out day and night tirelessly searching for the lost. Some of those saved and various others in the surrounding area wanted to become associated with the station and gave their time, money, and effort to support its work. New boats were bought, and new crews trained. The little life-saving station grew. Some of the life-saving station members were unhappy that the building was so crude and poorly equipped. They felt a more comfortable place should be provided as the first refuge for those saved from the sea. They replaced the emergency cots with beds and put better furniture in the enlarged building. Now the life-saving station became a popular gathering place for its members, and they decorated it beautifully because they used it as a sort of club. Fewer members were now interested in going to sea on life-saving missions, so they hired lifeboat crews to do this work. The life-saving motifs still prevailed in the club's decorations, and there was a liturgical lifeboat in the room where the club's initiations were held. About this time, a large ship wrecked off the coast, and the hired crews brought in boatloads of cold, wet, and half-drowned people. They were dirty and sick. The beautiful new club was in chaos. So the property committee immediately had a shower house built outside the club where victims of shipwrecks could be cleaned up before coming inside. At the next meeting, there was a split among the club membership. Most of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities, declaring it unpleasant and a hindrance to the normal social life of the club. Some members insisted upon life-saving as their primary purpose and pointed out that they were still called a life-saving station. But they were finally voted down and told that if they wanted to save the lives of all the various kinds of people who were shipwrecked in those waters, they could begin their own life-saving station. So they did. As the years went by, the new station experienced the same changes that had occurred in the old one. It evolved into a club, and yet another life-saving station was founded. History continued to repeat itself, and if you visit that sea coast today, you will find a number of exclusive clubs along that shore. Shipwrecks are frequent in those waters, but most of the people drown. Cool, it's called the parable of a life-saving station. I like that. I really do like that. I think it's really, really, yeah, poignant and really uh, just, we, we just know our history. You know uh, a guy called Peter Daniels, one of the richest people in Australia, a Christian guy who gave away so much money in charity and stuff, really good guy. He said that the thing we learn from history is that we don't learn from history. That's the biggest thing we learn. And so as churches, I think sometimes this is a refreshing thing to realize when we are on mission and really about what it's all about, it is a safeguard, it is a, a unifying thing to bring unity and breed unity with the church to help us keep us on track. Um, and it is the gospel and it is the, that Jesus transforming lives and it is, it is him that brings us all back together to that one thing. It should never get old in our life and it should never be just, oh, that's the gospel. I've moved on from that. I'm into deeper things 
now. Really? No, no. You, who are you reaching for Jesus? Who are you, who are you on that boat with out there in them, in, in them waves praying for and um, reaching out to? The gospel keeps and protects unity. And we need to remember as a church, we are to seek and to save the lost. I love seeing people come and be committed at Kalamunda from other churches. I think that's important. If you're looking for a healthy church and you don't have one at the moment, then this is a church for you. But what we're really passionate about is seeing people that have never been to a church come in and find Jesus Christ and us go out and show Jesus Christ and come and find a family to belong to. Yeah? That's what we're really passionate about, being on mission, not being a club. Clubs look after the members. Life-saving stations look to save the lost. Clubs are concerned about image. Life-saving stations are concerned about imitating Christ out there. Club is where we come first, but mission is where we exist for the not saved yet. And that is our mission. And that is my last slide. I'm going to finish with a few thoughts on Zacchaeus. But um, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Or the New King James says this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. And who knows that in the Garden of Eden, something was lost and it wasn't a religion. In the Garden of Eden, a church service was not lost. A few hymns were not lost. In the Garden of Eden, what was lost was intimacy and relationship with our Creator, with God. And Jesus said, I've come back to bring it back. What was lost? The gospel could be said this, God's trying to get his kids back. And that's what was lost. And so we see that that is our, our mission, the relationship restored to seek and to save the lost. And we see Zacchaeus in this story is really interesting. And, uh, and, and as Jesus, and I want you to think about as you look through what happened, it's like 10 verses and only two or three of them are not about uh, what's happening on the way to the house with the crowd. Because this is a picture, I think, of what, happens when the church is truly on mission there are things that will challenge the church there are things that will come against the church but when they're truly on mission they've got to be prepared to put up with some things I think uh, my, my personal vision here uh, as we're growing into ministry and it's on this in this booklet you'll read it is, is empowering believers and engaging seekers at the same time like it's not one or the other we're not a, are you a church for Christians well yeah are you a church for non-Christians yeah we are. It's not one or the other. We believe that a healthy body can be at the same time receiving sustenance and receiving things that you need whilst at the same time reaching out and helping somebody else. So the body at the same time is getting empowered, but we're still reaching out to see other people come to know Jesus and get on the journey of discipleship, yeah? I have a vision of seeing Alpha courses run here, new Christian courses run here regularly every year because of the amount of people that God has just seen come to know Him, responding to the gospel. Maybe they won't even become a Christian, but they might do a year-long Alpha course and get interested and engaged because we want to live in that engagement space. And that's what Jesus was doing here with Zacchaeus. So a few thoughts is this engaging seekers. Well, Zacchaeus was a seeker. How do you know he was a seeker? Well, there were seven verbs used in that scripture of things that Zacchaeus did to see Jesus. He ran, the Bible said. He climbed. He hurried. He immediately came down. He received him with joy. He stood up and he spoke. He, you just see, this is, a, this is a seeker, somebody looking to find Jesus. And Jesus, by the way, was very attractive to Zacchaeus. So the church should be really attractive to the non-Christian world. 
not in a way that's consumer materialism, not in a way that's seeker-sensitive, oh, we don't want to hurt your feelings, but the love of Jesus and the power of God should be attractive to somebody who's never seen it. It shouldn't be weird. It should be spiritual. Amen? And we see that he ran. He's like running to Jesus. Um, And you could read this story and think, why did he go to the tree? Why did he climb a tree? And there's probably natural reasons around that. Jericho was the city and it was a very lush city. It was a wealthy city. It was out in the desert, but this was an oasis spot in the desert and it had these big sycamore trees. Um, And obviously the text tells us that Zacchaeus was short in stature, that he could not get through the crowd. And it would seem logical to think he climbed the tree to see Jesus. And I think that is part of the story. But I think the other reason why Zacchaeus climbed the tree and was in the tree was not so that he could see Jesus, but so that Jesus in his humanity could see him. Who knows that Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing and spoke what he heard the Father saying and he's in tune with the Holy Spirit. He is fully God, fully man, but in his humanity, he's not going, okay, I know that Zacchaeus is going to be up there. He's walking by the Spirit and God is giving him the people that he's calling to himself. And as he gets there, the Bible says he looks up and he spots Zacchaeus and he later calls him, this too is the son of Abraham. He's like, that's the person I'm meant to see today. I know I'm here on mission and I see he is the mission today. I need to go to his house. This has to happen. This wasn't like Zacchaeus saying, hey, would you like to come over for lunch? Because it's our custom. And as you know, that when we welcome people for hospitality and show hospitality, it's not like we don't just go to Red Rooster together. We have a big, long meal for hours and we talk and we become friends. Becoming to their house is a sign of relationship. When you have somebody around your table, uh, that's a sign of connection and friendship. But even deeper in this Jewish um, custom, that they, they, this, was, this, this wasn't Jesus just saying, I wonder what his food tastes like. Jesus is saying, I want to be your friend. I want to sit with you and eat with you. Are you serious? Of all the people, when you're an itinerant preacher going into town, why wouldn't you go to the pastor's house? Why wouldn't you go to a political person's house? Why wouldn't you go and and meet with the people with power? Why would you pick this guy who everybody hated, this guy who rips people off, this guy you will not leave your kids with. In fact, historical records, if you go right, right back, they believe he was a Collingwood supporter, Zacchaeus. And, sorry, Rob. <laughs> that, that's just my, my own personal studies, but you check it out for yourself. It's like everyone just did not like the guy. And I want you to see something here. Jesus never bows to what traditional culture says you should do. He doesn't do that. And he should, this was not good for popularity. I mean, you've just got all these people following you. And whenever I see Jesus in the Bible, I think of the church. You've just got all these people coming and getting on board a mission. And then he decides to do something that seems crazy. And he's like going to go and meet with this guy. And so the crowd then begin to mutter and say, look at him, go on to be a friend of a sinner, a guest of a sinner. And we need to understand that being the church on mission means it's not bowing to popular opinion. It's not the next great idea, but it's been led by the Spirit of God. And so as we look at this mission, as we look at going forward, 
As we look at expanding locally and seeing from there, I want to encourage you. Let's be praying. Let's be hearing from God. Let's be seeking Him and what He would have us do. Let's, he's got a plan for every dollar that gets pledged. And it's not Brad's plan. It's not our plan. It is His plan. And we want to get in tune with that. Amen. And see the fruit, see the harvest of that. There's some ideas on the blackboard out in the foyer there already, some ideas. And we just did that to make a creative space at the start of the month to say, hey, you might have missional ideas that uh, whack them up there. And, and, write, and so please keep doing that. And if you feel like you could champion idea, you could be the person to champion a local mission incentive initiative or something that's on your heart. As the elders have said before my time here, hey, we're always open, come and talk to us. We'd love to hear what's on your heart. And, and now, uh, you know, we're going to develop, I think, some dream teams for mission. Some dream teams of what God would have us do. How can, you know, Kids Hope mentoring what it's doing at the moment, but how could that expand? How could it be even more powerful? The chaplains in the area that we've got and we're supporting, what other things could be done to really expand? How could Abby and other chaplains really be more impactful through what we're doing locally? So, hey, we're the church. It's your part of this. God will speak to you as much as he'll speak to me. Amen? That is the truth. So there can be a cost when engaging seekers with the gospel. And Jesus goes to the house and he doesn't just engage Zacchaeus, but rather this, he embraces him. As I said, he had a meal of relationship. It was dinner time and it was relationship time. I want us to hear something here. This is the key to my little thoughts this morning is that before Zacchaeus changed anything, Jesus embraced him. Before there was any sign of repentance or restitution, Jesus sat with him and he took it on the chin from the religious leaders and the, pop, the people of the day to say, oh, no, I don't care. I don't care what this costs me in relationships. I'm going to go and I'm going to meet with this guy because this guy, God's got something on his life. And so before people need to get cleaned up, we don't build the showers outside the station. Yeah, the life-saving station. Have a shower, get everything right, then come in. Rather, Kalamunda is a church where you can make mistakes, you can grow, you can be a part of a family that's not perfect. Amen? And that is true. And that's, that's our family. I don't know about your family, but that's my family. We're not perfect. We don't have it all together. And uh, some people can't even get to church on time in my family. But I won't mention any names, all right? It's all good. It's a bit of a distance, I know. But anyway, embracing seekers is what Jesus is doing. And we're called, I love how he went there, as I said, before he cleaned his act up. And this last thought here, as the team can come back up, is repentance and restitution is an inside job of transformation. Repentance and restitution. Notice that um, Jess Pendle's been doing some great stuff with our interns. We've been talking about this as, as interns, about what repentance is. And actually back with uh, history, with Jewish times, with the repentance, there were like more than one stage. It wasn't just like, sorry. <laughs> but there were like four or five stages of repentance and what it actually looks like to truly turn in a direction, change the way you think and repent and turn. And it's quite interesting. But we see Zacchaeus stu stood up. And he said, Lord, I love that. He called him Lord. Something happened. I don't know what happened in that dinner time, but could I submit one idea, a Brad idea is this. Maybe Jesus took a guy called Matthew with him, one of his followers. Matthew was a tax collector. And maybe Zacchaeus had heard the stories about this Matthew who was now following Jesus 
and was not ripping people off anymore. He thought, oh, if he did it for him, I wonder what he could do for me. And maybe they're chatting, who knows what really happened. But at some point over the course of the meal, Zacchaeus stands up and he says, Lord, and calls him Lord. He says, that's who you are. You've called me Zacchaeus. You've, you've told me who I am, pure and faultless one. Now I really can see who you are. That's why when Jesus said to Peter, who do people say that I am? What's the gossip about me? And Peter said, some say you're this, some say you're that. And Jesus said, but who do, who do you say I am, Peter? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And as soon as he said that, as soon as he realised that's who God is, then Jesus said, that is right. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. It's been from my Father in heaven. Now you are not Simon. You're not a reed tossed here and though. You are Peter. Peter means rock. You are a firm foundation. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church on that confession that you know who I am. That's what the church gets built on. The church isn't built on Peter the person. It's built on the revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. Son of God. And Zacchaeus had this and he looked at him and he said, Lord, after calling me who I am, I call you Lord. And he said, I'm going to pay everyone back. And just notice that he just, this was the natural consequences of Jesus touching his life four times as much. Now, could you imagine his testimony next week? He's walking downtown. You haven't heard. You're, you're one of the people in the town. You haven't heard what happened to Zacchaeus. And you see him coming to your door. So you're like, kids, turn all the lights off. Hide. Get under the bed. Hide all the money. And then he rocks up and Zacchaeus knocks on your door. And you're like, oh, better answer. You open the door a little bit and he's got a big smile on his face. Like, Zacchaeus, why are you so happy? And he says, oh, I've got something for you. You've got something for me. You only ever come and take stuff from us. He goes, yeah, well, Jesus has touched my life and I want to give this to you and hands over four times as much as he's ripped the person off or whatever it is. A changed life. And the person goes, you can come and visit anytime, Zacchaeus. But he was going to make restitution. And becoming a Christian is not doing things so that you get saved. It is doing things because you are saved. Because you are saved, we will love others. Because we are saved, we will forgive one another. Because we are saved, we will give out and help people. Because we are saved, we're changed. Amen? Not to earn our salvation. I'm going to pray for us in a moment, but I just want to give you a last challenging challenge. Here it is. Where are the trees in our lives? And what I mean by that is where are the trees? Jesus looked and found a tree with somebody in it that he needed to minister to. Where are the trees in your life? And who are the people in those platforms that God is calling you to reach out to? I just want to leave you with that thought. I'm going to pray a blessing over us. We're going to go and have a wonderful picnic. And uh, gee, look at that. Less than 70 minutes. How good is that? A short church service today. Would you stand with me? We're going to celebrate together with the worship team. After I pray, we're going to sing a song and they're going to close off. As always, if you want prayer, you desire prayer, this is the house of prayer. Our prayer team will be down the front and I'll be around. So feel free to come and receive prayer. But I just want to speak a blessing over you. If you're comfortable to close your eyes, Father, I just thank you so much for every person here. And even people that are here that are called, not here, sorry, that call Calamunda home. I want to thank you for every person that has seeked your face and said, Lord, I'm believing you. I'm giving into faith promise because I want to be seeking and saving the lost. Father, would you bless every person as you will and continue to show us your provision, Lord, how you will provide that money to us, that we will celebrate and we will just give you all the glory and you all the praise, Father.
Father, I pray that you would help us to have eyes that see the people in the tree. Lord, the eyes to see who are in those trees that, God, you're calling us by this moment to minister to, to seek and to save the lost. And Father, would you take away our preconceived ideas of how they have to live, of how they have to behave, of what they've got to look like. But Father, would we just be that kind of church like Jesus that reaches out to the worst of the worst and says, you know what? God loves you and therefore I love you too. Father, we thank you for this morning. We celebrate not just a wonderful amount of faith promise money pledged, but we celebrate a wonderful amount of faith in this church for the future. And I'm excited. Everyone who believes it said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team.